0: ADHD Diversified, take one. <laughs> Welcome to, that ah. Coming soon to, ah. And take two. We get the dog out of here. <sighs> okay, I think I've got it this time. Are you ready? Coming soon to the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network, ADHD Diversified, hosted by a Canadian-born Asian with ADHD, but if we're getting really specific, a Filipino-Canadian, oh wait, that's me! Hey everyone, I'm your host, MJ, and I'm so excited to be launching this podcast. Or rather, I'm very excited! Anyway, here's what to expect. We'll talk about the relatable quirks and hilarities that can come with having ADHD, and even dive into some challenging subject matter, like the unique experiences that come with being a visible minority with ADHD, different perceptions of ADHD and mental health in different communities, and how different coping mechanisms have been developed for every individual ADHDer in their similar yet such unique experiences. From short stories and skits with a bit of humor to in-depth conversations with other like-wired brains, this will be the podcast that opens up fun and exciting exchanges while bringing some of those tougher discussions to light. If you want to know more about us, have a topic idea, or want to share your unique ADHD story, visit us at adhddiversified.ca. There, you can also find the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network, ADHD Rewired with Eric Tibbers, ADHD Essentials with Brendan Mahan, and Hacking Your ADHD with Will Kerb. Oh, and I'm not the only one to be launching a new podcast. Keep your eyes open and your ears ready for the ADHD-friendly lifestyle with Moira Maben. You can find them linked on the ADHD Diversified website. Go to ADHDdiversified.ca to find out more. You can join all of us for a monthly live Q&A every second Tuesday of the month. Go to ADHDrewired.com slash events to register. All that being said, I'm so glad you're here and thanks for listening. With some seriousness mixed in with a bit of playfulness, we hope you'll tune in to ADHD Diversified as we diversify the voices and experiences of ADHD.
1: Visit adhdessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? How is that trailer? Pretty awesome, huh? ADHD Diversified is coming to the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. Joining our flagship show, ADHD Rewired, as well as this one, ADHD Essentials, and of course, Hacking Your ADHD with Will Kerb. And in today's episode, we're talking to MJ Siemens. MJ is the host of the upcoming podcast, ADHD Diversified. In today's episode, MJ shares her experiences growing up as a gifted Asian Canadian kid with undiagnosed ADHD. She tells us about being caught in the push-pull clash of Asian culture and white culture, and how having ADHD made it hard for her to meet the expectations of both, How her parents' separation led to her dropping out of school in her senior year, and why academia is not the only road to success. All right, let's get rolling.
0: All right, so I am MJ. I am from Alberta, Canada, and I'm just kind of figuring out still what it means to to have ADHD because my my diagnosis I didn't get it until I was thirty, and I'm thirty one. So still kind of a baby. And it's interesting just to be like, oh, I'm going into my 30s knowing that I have ADHD. But that also kind of brings up the rest of, you know, childhood, adolescence, early adulthood of I've been living with ADHD for a long time. So that explains a lot of quirks. And gosh, I wish somebody would have said something earlier and that there wasn't such a huge stigma around it you know, growing up, because I could have done so many more things. And that's something I've gotten over. But yeah, diagnosed at 30. I guess it's sort of still youngish, but still something that I'm I'm trying to navigate, especially as somebody who is, uh, you know, people in the, who are just listening to this can't see, but I am ethnic minority Asian. So that's also kind of interesting, because now that I've kind of dove into the world of ADHD, I don't see very many others that look like me with ADHD. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, and that's a piece of why I wanted to have you on is as long-time listeners know, I try to get minority voices out there when I can. And I haven't interviewed anyone who is Asian for the show yet. And even in our show prep prior to this interview, you talked a lot about just the nature of expectations that are put on folks' who are Asian from the Asian community and also from the sort of dominant white community and cultures in terms of really production and success and motivate and sort of intrinsic motivation and that kind of stuff. And you were saying how you didn't really feel like you fit in to that. And I'm assuming the ADHD diagnosis is putting a new light on some of that feeling like you're not fitting in because your motivation and your sort of drive for I don't know academic success maybe is not the same as culturally the expectations may have been.
0: Oh yeah, um at least from from my perspective and I'm I'm only speaking from my own experience, you know, I'm just one little Canadian Asian ADHDer who's still trying to figure it out but then again who does have it all figured out at any point in time. You know, I grew up with a a Filipino mom and a Canadian dad so Caucasian um, dad and there was kind of this push pull between you know my immediate community Asian community and my immediate uh, western community so you know there was sort of a a stereotype and I had talked to a friend about this um, who is Caucasian and I'm you know we we grew up together we went to elementary together and i had asked her like what do you think about me being Asian with ADHD I'm not really sure how that question came out but the way that my friend had put it was saying oh well I kind of feel like you had this different expectation and stereotype because even I thought like oh you're Asian like you can do everything like people wanted to ask you about you know help with the math homework and stuff. And I was terrible at math growing up. It took, I like, I was a late bloomer with that. Everything else was fine.
1: So the martial arts were good. Nope.
0: <laughs> Not even that <laughs> either. I wasn't disciplined <laughs> enough to stick around with, with that. Um, I, I did take uh, Taekwondo briefly. I think when I was 12 or 13,
1: I hated it. Wait. So you're going on record on a podcast saying that people who are Asian are not naturally good at math and the martial arts? That's what I'm saying. At least I'm speaking
0: for myself. <laughs> what? I am speaking for myself. I, I, and I'm still not great at math today. My, my strengths, um, you know, growing up were music and reading and reading comprehension and creative thinking and uh, problem solving. You know, it was, it was difficult because those things that I, w- I was good at and the things that I really enjoyed doing kind of from both cultural expectations was, well, that's not really important. That's not going to get you anywhere in life. You need to be good at math or you need to be really good at English or you need to, you know, you need to be a dentist or you need to go into the medical field when you grow up or and and, and it was just okay, those things would be nice, maybe, but not for me. So because I operated differently, than there there was another uh, Asian kid in my elementary, I think there was maybe three of us from kindergarten to six. Um, Those are the that's kind of the elementary grades in, in Canada. Anyway, he was the prodigy piano player. He was great at every single subject. He was the, the kid that was getting that extra 10% and then enter me, who couldn't sit still, I would get sent to the principal's office in a very gentle way compared to, say, the, the stereotypical boys that had ADHD of, oh, MJ, uh, I forgot something at the principal's office. Can you go get it?
1: And they're just kind of giving you a break. And that was
0: kind of their subtle way of... Yeah. Well, I think it was more so giving them a break because I'm I'm looking back and I'm like, wow, I was really, really an annoying kid to the teachers. How did they put up with me for for, you know, six, seven years at that school? Because that's you know, we just I just stayed at the same school.
1: What were you doing that was annoying?
0: Oh I, I like they would always sit me in the back of the classroom or I'd always be the kid that was raising my hand. After second grade I stopped getting called on because I think they just there must have just been a thing where you know MJ talks too much. MJ is always trying to participate which is fine but it, it would almost I would almost be maybe overstepping a line, I don't know, and kind of being loud and, and obnoxious and and I was Interestingly enough, sort of the one that was getting in trouble with with some of the other kids or being teased by the other kids. And, you know, again, now that I know that I have ADHD, um, a lot of emotional dysregulation there of lashing out to the other kids. So it'd be kind of, you know, both of us would get in trouble. But I suspect that because, you know, I was getting teased by the, the Caucasian boys at the school and I was this. Minority Asian girl, there, maybe they were kind of treating it a little bit different. I don't know.
1: Different how? Like, were they coming down harder on you? Were they being more gentle in terms of discipline for you? How was how it different?
0: I think they were being more gentle because, again, seeing the differences of how I was, quote unquote, sent to the principal's office versus. The rowdy boy that was being sent to the principal's office like the the boys would get yelled at all the time of like go to the office like go now and then the boys would fight back and sometimes it became a thing sometimes it didn't it was just like okay I guess I'm going to the office again because that's just what one or two of the kids were expected to do is just all oh, that they go to the office like once a week. Whereas with me, it was just, oh, we forgot something at the library. Can you get this? We forgot something at the principal's office. Can you get this? And I'm I'm looking back. I'm like, wait, was that a way for them to get rid of the other annoying, troubled kid? And I was like the only girl that would ever get sent out of the classroom.
1: As a former teacher and a guy who trains teachers, I can tell you that that's standard operating procedure, it's not necessarily the teachers looking for a break, although certainly it can be. But the main the main crux of that, the main drive of that strategy is this kid needs a break. This kid is not able to concentrate and pay attention right now. This kid maybe, maybe not is disrupting other kids and if not, is going too soon. If we send this kid to the office to go get a note from the principal or whatever, right? It gives that kid the break without making it obvious sometimes to the kid, because depending on sort of the the relationship the teacher has with the kid, how that kid works. And honestly, the skill level of the teacher too, that factors in pretty heavily. I may or may not want to tell that kid, right? Because some kids, if they know they can get a break, are going to be like, I want a break. I want a break. I want a break. And they're going to constantly leave the classroom. <laughs> but and And age plays a role here too. So as a result, we often sort of just like, send that kid off to go get something from the principal or give something to the principal in order to let them get out of class without going to the bathroom or feeling like they're being punished. It's like, I have this job for you. You matter. You're important. You need to take this envelope to the principal. It's very important that you do that. And it's a way to get a relationship with that kid too, because like that kid starts to feel like they have a job, they have a role for the teacher. The teacher relies on them, and that can help them clue in and key in during class in a w- different way because they they feel respected and important to the teacher. So they in turn respect the teacher and put a little more importance on the class. That's kind of the mentality behind the strategy that you're describing.
0: Okay, that makes a lot of sense because I can. Obviously, my memory is not perfect. I have ADHD. But yeah, being the kid that couldn't sit still, it does, I guess, now kind of makes sense, like go run off some steam, like run around the school. My legs are little. My legs were little. My legs are still little. It takes me a lot of energy to get to one place. (laughs) So it's yeah, um, that, that makes a lot more sense. I'm kind of thankful then that it was done in such a gentle way as opposed to it feeling like a punishment because I do just remember being sent out a number of times and not cluing in at all. Just like, oh, I'm going to go on a mission and oh, this is going to be fun. Oh, I get to explore the school and it's not even that big. You know, everything feels like the world is just huge, you know, that age.
1: There's teachers out there with four or five envelopes in their desk drawer that just have written on like, there's a piece of paper in the envelope and written on it is this kid needs a break. And they just like send that envelope with the kid to the principal or the secretary. And everybody knows what's going on. They open up the envelope just to make sure they see that it says this kid needs a break. And they're like, all right, cool. Thank you very much. I'm really glad that you gave me this note or whatever. It's really important that I got this good job kind of a thing. The kid feels good. They did something important. Then they head back to class. You know what I mean? Like there's a little bit of an illusion happening there, but it works for the kid. The kid feels valued. And for ADHD folks, it's a really good way to keep them from spiraling into feeling like an outsider, at least for the staff. It doesn't work so well for fellow classmates and stuff, but it at least keeps them connected to the staff in the building
0: that makes a lot more sense too. (laughs) That helps a lot because it was just, it was just so confusing, but fun as a kid. Cause again, just not cluing in some of the, the subtleties that were going on to, I guess, maybe help me manage in my own way.
1: I'm guessing you were fairly young when this was happening, probably elementary school.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Elementary school. Not so much in preschool because preschool was preschool. I was reading and writing already at that time. So I'd read to the other kids and then come kindergarten and then grade one, grade two, and so on. Because I was already doing other things, it it would make sense to be like, yeah, this kid needs a break because she's probably bored. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And she's not interested in helping other kids right now, so she's just got to go off and do her own thing. So see you later. So that actually does make a lot more sense now. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Awesome. Learning something new all the time.
1: <laughs> One of the things you've mentioned in our prior conversations is your the fact that you didn't feel like you fit in all the time. And is that... Because we've also talked about sort of the the clash and push-pull of different cultures and and... And, and that part as well. Is it that you didn't fit in because of that push-pull of two separate cultures? Did you feel like you didn't fit in with mainstream culture and you also didn't fit in with Asian culture? Is it just you didn't feel like you fit in because you didn't feel like you fit in? What is What does that look like?
0: I think there's definitely a combination there. You know, there's definitely that push-pull that I had talked about before we hit record and just, yeah, the, the different expectations and sort of the subtle cues that I would get from my immediate community in the Asian culture, my immediate community in the Western culture of, you know, you're supposed to be able to do this, or you're supposed to do that, or you better have it figured out what you want to be when you grow up, because this is what we expect. And it was just really hard for me to be like, yeah, that's what I'm okay, I guess I'll do that. There was a little bit of, I guess, inner fight on my end, and I wouldn't really openly show it, but it did really... You know, it it was just really hard to know that the things that I was good at already, they weren't really acknowledged. Like they, they were in this weird sort of like, oh, you're so good at that. Oh, she's so gifted there. And oh, you know, it's you can listen to a song and play it right away. But when it came to like certain like educational skills, like doing the math or just even just sitting down, paying attention, doing my homework. Like, I would never do my homework. And so, you know, sometimes I would go to school and be like, oh, yeah, did you do the homework? am like, no. Oh, I was going to see what you what you did. I'm like, well, sorry, homie. I didn't do my homework. Uh, I'm going to get in trouble for that. And I, and I know that. But I ain't got nothing for you to add or even look at because I didn't do it and I just don't want to. So it was just weird being that clearly Asian looking kid that just didn't do the homework.
1: That's what I was going to ask next was in that example, is the kid asking you to see their homework because you're Asian or because you had demonstrated, like, I usually do my homework. It sounds like the demonstration part is not there because you're talking about not doing your homework. So is it just sort of that subtle racism coming out?
0: I I think so. Like that was pretty early on. Uh, like just more elementary but when it came um, to junior high and high school a lot of us that went to the same elementary school went to the same junior senior high school Uh, and it was kind of already like ah MJ's something I don't know she's a little weird but you probably won't be asking her for her homework or asking her for help but there were still like subtle expectations from the teachers that like all right We've got, you know, a few other kids that will just do their work. And right off the bat, when that transition was made from elementary to to junior high, so grade six to grade seven, fell apart. I just completely fell apart. And bye-bye academics.
1: (laughs) How much of that is, and and I might be completely going in the wrong direction here, and that's fine. Just say, nope. But- how much of that is sometimes when the bar is set really high, which is what you're describing with just the expectations around, well, she's Asian, so she's gonna do trigonometry when she's seven and like can, was born <laughs> playing the violin and like that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. How much of your academic falling apart was you seeing this gap and going, nope, can't do that. I'm just gonna head in the opposite direction. And how much of it was just, it didn't work like just struggles of ADHD.
0: Oh, I think it's a combination of both Um, because already very early on, um, you know, our junior high was, was, it was, it was a big school. It was a, it was a combined school with, with junior and senior high. So it was from seven to 12 and there was sort of a meshing between the two, but there was clearly like the junior high section of the school and the senior high section of the school, but. When I, you know, sort of got th- thrown into that world as, you know, you do when you change grades and stuff, there were definitely, there was more diversity at that point in the school and yeah, so many of the other Asian kids were just, they were, you know, getting really good marks and they would pay attention and they could just do the homework and then I just couldn't and I think at that point my my parents had sort of eased up on expectations and I think they they sort of inherently knew that I was gonna do what I wanted to do anyway so they they weren't too terribly hard on me at at that point but it was a for for me anyway it was you know a combination of you know the undiagnosed ADHD not meeting the expectations of the other um, Asian kids that were at the school so kind of being sort of an anomaly there
1: Meaning like you didn't fit in socially with them or you weren't were not meeting like the expectations in terms of the standards they were setting academically? Both. Okay.
0: Definitely both because you know I didn't really sit at a table for at lunch or anything. I had a couple friends you know throughout um, junior high and and high school but not really anybody or any group that I really fit into and and if I did it was very short-lived. So there wasn't like I didn't fit in academically like I wasn't sitting with the honors kids that's for sure because my marks were not even close and all, any other you know kind of like high school movie groups you know the cliques that there are I, I just I didn't fit into any of them that probably stems from you know having ADHD and not really showing that I could fit in anywhere as much as, as much as I tried, like there there was effort for sure. But it just for some reason I just didn't belong in, in any group. I didn't really click with anybody. So I just kind of sit at my locker by myself or with like a couple of friends that I did have at the time. But you know, there wasn't really a sense of like, oh yeah, I, I I know what direction I'm gonna go. I was just I felt like I was in limbo for a really long time.
1: If I can wildly speculate for a minute. Tell me when I'm when I get the read wrong. What it sounds like is there's a group of Asian kids in your school who are academically driven and they're maybe all sitting together and hanging out together. And I don't know if they're in honors or not, but it sounds like that's like a group in some piece, maybe not all of the Asian kids, but some number of them. And you don't fit in with them in any way, except that you are also Asian. And that's not really a good enough reason to sit with them in the cafeteria because there's nothing to talk about and there's no connection there besides I also happen to be Asian. So you're not gravitating towards them. And then there's also kind of where else do I go? And maybe in that situation, is it I am Asian and I don't feel comfortable sitting with these other kids? Or is it just I am socially awkward because I have ADHD and I'm still figuring that out? And maybe I'm less mature than my peers because that's what ADHD is all about. And so I don't really fit in with like the other sophomores because I'm more interested in like stuff that an eighth grader might be interested in than I am in stuff that a 10th grader would be interested in. So I'm more comfortable hanging out at my locker because I don't quite know where to go. Which parts of that is wrong? Which part of that sounded like maybe there's something in there? How's that landing?
0: I think there's a pretty good combination of all of that in there because the, I guess the honors or the IP kids, it didn't matter, you know, what ethnic background you were. If you were an IP or an honor kid, like you all just kind of gravitated together because you had that like mind of like we're gonna get like really good marks and we're gonna study together, and da 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 da. I did have um, like kind of a couple of groups that I'd sort of hang out with. Again, they were they were kind of short lived. I did better when some of us would hang out, like just kind of one-on-one. But even then, those, those friendships, some of them didn't really last. Like I'm still in, in touch with some of them today, but it's nothing that's like, we're not in like a super deep friendship or anything like that. It's just like, oh, hey, yeah, remember high school. And to the maturity level, I guess, I, I still kind of felt like I was, I was still bored at, at that point, and there were just some, you know, every, everybody has their strengths in certain subjects, but just the, the school structure of what there was, I just, I didn't like it. I was, I don't know, I, I, I wanted something different. Yeah, I just, I'm still trying to figure out where I didn't and didn't fit in. All, all that I, I know is that I just didn't really fit in anywhere. And yeah, classroom settings just, look. And because there was kind of a dual standard of, you know, stereotypical Asian versus, you know, I was raised as a, like, I'm a super Canadian, um, but <laughs> like, yeah, people who are listening to this, can't, again, they probably, they can't tell that um, I am, you know, a Asian minority. There, were, there was such a push-pull that I, I didn't find a foothold really solidly of where I wanted to be or settle. And it wasn't until... You know, I even I got my ADHD diagnosis. That I was like, okay, yeah, okay, I, I it's fine if I don't really fit in anywhere, or if this is why I struggled so hard. You know, trying to get through school, fine. That's you know, I can accept that because I, I did end up dropping out of um high school. To which uh, the reason for that is, you know, when my when my parents were were splitting up in 12th grade, I said, okay, well, I'm not going to school anymore then because. Everything was already hard enough with undiagnosed ADHD and to have that piled on was just I can't. I can't keep trying anymore. I'm bored. I'm going to go get a full-time job and and work.
1: Yeah, that's a lot. Let me play. Let me kind of squeeze some stuff together if I can. So you are in 12th grade. You're not feeling like you fit in at school for a variety of reasons, some of which is academically you're struggling because you have undiagnosed ADHD. Some of it is you are in Asian Canadian and there's some sort of systemic racism stuff happening for you where the expectations are really high, but you're having trouble meeting them because you have ADHD. And even when your peers figure that out and they're like, don't ask MJ to look at her homework because she probably didn't do it. I imagine that every year in school, you've got a new crop of teachers who are all seeing you for the first time and are like, oh, she's going to be a rock star. And then you're not. And so they're because they're not recognizing their own sort of internal racism of just because she's an Asian kid and a girl doesn't mean that she's going to be academically amazing. It just means she's an Asian kid and a girl. That's all that that means. It has no bearing on her performance in your classroom. And so you're struggling with this. There's this gap between where you're performing and sort of where culturally, at least from the teachers, uh, maybe less so your parents and your peers, where your people are expecting you to perform and then layer into that giftedness, which we've talked about before Mm -hmm. this conversation, you're also gifted. So you're really smart and probably sitting in class and going, I get all of this stuff, except for math i guess <laughs> yeah. i'm just not going to do the homework or do the studying and so i'm going to get a c except that i know everything which is super frustrating i've been there personally i completely understand yeah and then on top of all of that your parents are splitting up
0: yeah cuz realistically probably should have split up when i was like 10 but they waited until um you know when they when they told me i was 17 and i told them to wait until i turn 18 which is legal age in in Alberta, because I didn't want them to go through a custody battle. It would be silly. In in my opinion, at the time, it would would have been silly for them to go over through like a custody battle while I was 17. Then a year later, like I'm going to go off and do my own thing anyway. So the agreement was, okay, fine. That's between you guys. Do your thing. Leave me out of it.
1: And you're carrying that too. You're carrying this very mature decision slash plan that you come up with for your parents in the course of their separation?
0: That was me telling both of them separately to just be like, you guys figure it out. You're both adults, I guess. So whatever you two have to hash out when you do finally split up, do not go over, like, do not have a custody battle over me. I want to choose who I live with, you know, depending on circumstances, school, Whatever the case may be, location, but yeah, don't put me in the middle because that's stupid. Like I was obviously I disapproved, but this probably needed to happen earlier, but I'm glad they they waited until you know that that time. Yeah, because I, I re- like really, they just kind of left me to my own devices um, as soon as junior high hit because you know, they were they were both kind of doing their own thing probably some undiagnosed ADHD there. And like half understanding the struggle and half still maybe kind of hoping or expecting that something might change or that I'll figure it out eventually. A little late, but I think I've kind of figured it out, but I'm still, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I'm not a dentist. You know, I had different paths at that time after, you know, my early adulthood. So, they, they still supported me, which was good. But at the same time, I still was like, ah, but I still don't even fit in with their friends' expectations of maybe what I was supposed to be or do or compared to my family, friends, kids and stuff. Like I was still kind of the odd one in that community too, in the Asian community. So outside of school, there was a lot of comparison of, oh, well, my son does this. My son does that. How come, MJ, how come you can't be like my son? Or how come, you know, my daughter's doing this. My son is doing this. Like, you should do that, too. I'm like, I don't want to. And I can't. Like, I just can't. I, I'm not interested and I'm not, like, capable in that area. Maybe that was some self-talk stuff going on. But at the same time, I just, I didn't want whatever it is they were pursuing, which a, a Component of that was a lot of kind of materialism, I guess, which didn't interest me, still doesn't interest me. Status isn't something that I, like, I, it's whatever. I'm not into brand name stuff. I'm not trying to make the money to buy the brand name stuff to show that I'm successful. Right. So there were some different expectations around what success meant in my immediate community anyway.
1: Let me circle back to dropping out of high school. What does that look like? You said you just sort of got a full-time job. And if I'm not mistaken, you eventually get a GED because I know you've gone to college. So what's that process look like of dropping out and then what comes next?
0: When I found out that my parents were getting divorced, it was, I think, the first or second month of 12th grade. And that was, I, I kind of saw it coming, but maybe not... It wasn't very gentle, I guess, in the way that um, it was brought up. And I was already this emotionally dysregulated ADHD adolescent who was just didn't fit in anywhere and trying to grow up, you know, thinking this is how I'm going to get through life because I'm not good at school. You know, I, I still went to school like I still went to my English class I still went to my music class. I still went to art class and I still went to social. Like just kind of, I, I enjoyed being artistic in the classroom sort of, yeah, like participating and, and yeah, there's, there's some artistic uh, stuff in there. Um, but.
1: Cause you've mentioned strengths a few times, but haven't actually told us what they are. I'm assuming that it's, more in the artistic side of things.
0: Yeah, like there's, there's, you know, really, really good problem solving skills from from what the feedback from teachers was. Um, I had that report card that was like, you know, participates in class, doesn't hand in assignments, would have would do better if they would apply themselves, takes good notes, tests well, but, you know, uh, doesn't complete assignments or missing assignments. And kind of to your point of what you said earlier, you know, I could. Go sit in the class and I would know the stuff, but I just didn't want to do the homework and I would generally test really, really well. But again, the, I don't want to do the homework. I just want to read the stuff and know it and that's it. Like, why do y'all have to grade me on it? Um, I took bio bio 20 twice, failed both times. I just enjoyed the class. Okay. I took uh, chem 20 because uh, they have like the uh, general science, like 10, 20, 30, and then. Chem 2030, Bio 2030, Physics 2030. I took Chem 20 just for fun. I got like a 27% in that class because I just literally, I would just show up, watch some of the experiments, do some of the experiments, but... Like
1: didn't make the lab report kind of a thing?
0: Never, never, (laughs) never, never. never. And so it was just like, why are you here? I'm like, well, it's just something fun.
1: And it sounds like this echoes your sort of dropping out of high school thing where you When I think of dropping out of high school and going to get a job, I think you're not going to high school anymore. You're just working wherever you're working. But it sounds like you kind of dropped out of high school, but kept going to the classes that you liked.
0: Yeah. like um, I didn't even know you could do that. (laughs) I guess for me, my my definition of dropping out was because I had a lot of um, spares, like spare um, time in grade 11 and grade 12. Um, So I would take my classes early in the day, like first thing in the morning. And then some days I was done before like the lunch hour. And then I would just take the bus and go to work and then work until like eight or nine, 10 PM, take the bus home, rinse and repeat for certain days. So I was kind of it was I was transitioning my way from I guess kind of part-time high school and then part-time job to as soon as you know that 12th grade was done I just dove right into working and that was pretty much my life ever since and I think I was able to manage that I was always on time for work I was always on time for school I was always on time for classes which is weird for an ADHD person I guess because I now know that there's a lot of time blindness involved yeah I just I still wanted to learn stuff but I also knew that if my parents were splitting up There was some neurotic stuff of like well I don't really want to be a burden on either of them because they're both obviously going through a hard time and they're they both were we were all kind of like the three of us were sort of left to our own devices I don't have any brothers or sisters I saw them working really hard and I was like oh that's something that I can do really well is work really hard but I don't know what I'm gonna do but I'm just gonna go work and just you know still kind of go to school because certain lunch hours um, were still kind of social so uh, just being somewhere
1: and you had enough social connections at school to make those lunch hours worth going to, it sounds like.
0: Yeah, there was a, a group of us that would play like tennis in the summertime, or but winter was just eh, cooped up inside.
1: Did you graduate?
0: No. I got a GED after the first time I went to college.
1: How do you go to college without already having a GED?
0: So I went to a community college, um, and the only reason why I actually went to college the first time was... I did end up choosing to live with my dad when my parents um, split up. They weren't officially divorced yet, but my high school was literally a block away from where I lived. So I could just get up, walk to class. That was, I, I could even like walk through my neighbor's yard if they let me. Sometimes they did to get <laughs> to the school <laughs> and shortcuts, ADHD. It works. Yeah. And
1: then you went to college the first time.
0: Yeah. So I was working full-time after graduate well after quote-unquote graduation so when grade 12 when that uh, academic year ended and then I ended up quitting that job I had enough money saved up that I could take some time off and like was trying to figure out what to do and also I loved to play video games so I was doing a little bit of that and then um, there was a bit of a conflict with um, my dad and I and you know, saying like, oh, well, you need to be going back to work or you need to go back to school. Like, I'm supporting you, blah, 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 blah. And I had already taken on some of my own like bills, kind of living at home. I think I was 19. Yeah, 19. You know, I told him that, you know, I wanted to take over my own cell phone bill. Fine. I would ride my bike to the grocery store and sometimes bring home some groceries. I had already known how to cook at the time and I was doing some house stuff because my mom obviously wasn't there anymore. My aunt lived with us for for a short time, so she helped out too, but she was also working. So it was kind of just me at home from during that time after I had quit my job. So I I felt pressured to go back to school. So within the course of 24 hours, I applied to some different community colleges or whatever. Um, One of them said, hey, yeah, come in. Uh, Maybe it was like a couple days later or a week later. And to get in, to that community college, you had to take an entrance exam if you didn't have like a diploma or anything. So I did that, scored 110% on this entrance exam because it was kind of a joke, if I'm being honest. And they said, okay, cool.
1: You're in. All right. Awesome. So now you're in college and I'm going to, I'm going to pause this there because if this clever idea of mine works, then Eric Tivers on ADHD Rewired will take over your story from there. And so this is going to sort of be a two-parter crossover I like that. podcast episode leading into the release of your podcast, which is what's coming up this week. So to kind of wrap things up, just being mindful of time, do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience?
0: So, you know, going through, um, I guess, kind of this interview, um, I do want people to know that, you know, I'm, I'm just speaking for myself and and my experience as an Asian ADHDer and somebody who was, you know, undiagnosed up until recently. You know, I'm definitely not the authority on my community. I'm just sharing my individual experience and my individual story that hey, Asians can ADHD too and and regardless of any, you know, stereotype that's out there, um there are exceptions to the rule. It's okay to have ADHD and struggle, and it's okay to have ADHD and have your strengths. And um, if there's anything that I've learned through my own experiences, it's that academia isn't the only way to a personal definition of success.
1: Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode,